I <laughs> <laughs> see what's all from this. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. All right, we are actually recording episode number 78 of Civil Tension. I'm your host, Peter Galton, the creator of Civil Tension. And with me is co-host John and Ken Nicholson. And we have guest Sean. Jerry. Dan One. Kucherski. <laughs> Herman Skabocek. <laughs> this is the first time Herman sat in with us, and we do have, also have over here Daniel Ellen Gilman. All right. So Sean Kelly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can. Do, I don't care what you call yourself. I, <laughs> I try not but, to use uh, for proper. Uh, I shot out. I did actually shoot out an email this week on the topic, and we do have feeding the beast. You know, what's the cost? How much are we willing to pay out? Does it matter if it doesn't benefit you directly? Does the thing being fed matter? What if it's for senior citizens, i.e. the uh, the busing situation here in McHenry County? Or what if it's for veterans? What if it's for baby dolphins or orphans of motherless panda ants? Uh, and panda <laughs> ants are a real thing. Look it up. Use Google. Uh, does it matter if it's local, nation, worldwide? Does location matter? So, what's for dinner? Do you know how much this stuff costs? And John actually shot me an email, or a text rather, not an email, I was wrong, a text yesterday uh, about the PragerU uh, video on national debt. And do any of you know anything about the national debt? Do you, or rather, do you care? Because that was kind of the point. Do you care? Yes. Ken does. Anybody do. else? Yes. Jerry cares. Ergo, so, I sent you the video, yeah, so presumably. Yeah. So most it's $22 trillion right now, an estimated $22 trillion. Ten years ago, it was half of that, less than half, about $10 trillion. And in about 10 years, they're estimating it to be another $10 trillion, or somewhere around $34 trillion. With, uh, what was it, the, um, the, in the annual interest right now on the national debt is around $300 billion. That's just interest that we're paying. And in about 10 years, it'll be about a trillion a year on interest. There really is no way to get out of that hole. You just have to stop. Completely stop. Well, I think the number... Then, uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry, but the, I think the number that's probably more as equally telling are the unfunded liabilities... And to the tune on Social Security and Medicare alone, uh, you're looking at $100 trillion over the next 30 years. $100 trillion. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I mean, that's just the unfunded component. And the PragerU video goes into the detail. Um, and it was really very well done, as, I, as most of their videos, if not all of them, are. Because the only way to really get your arms around this is the issue of Social Security and, um, and Medicaid. So, and so the, that whole component, that's the only way. Those two programs, until you address those two programs, you can slash def defense, you can talk about welfare, you can talk about you know, foreign aid, you can talk about all that other stuff, all you want to. These are the two. And the major, the major problem behind it is, is that if you want to tax your way out of it, you would have to bring current payroll taxes from around 15 and change to 33%, right? And if you wanted to, then, and on top of that, you would have to institute a national uh, sales tax of 34%, 33%, right? 
right? So and just to tax your way out of it without addressing the spending side of that of that equation. And again, that's according to PragerU. I don't pretend to be an expert, but I do know that when you take too much out of the treasury and you keep spending yourself into oblivion, that eventually the, the road ends like it did with Greece. Yeah. Like it's about to in Chicago, for instance. Well, I, look, at, look, at, look at the state of Illinois as a microcosm. <clears throat> the reason the state of Illinois has its problems is because of the pensions and the promises that were made and the fact that the state cannot possibly fund them. You made promises you can't keep. I'm sorry, but they can't. And that's it. And that's the end. And we have a choice. Either the people that are retiring and stepping into retirement, the people that are still working can either do the aforementioned the way of the taxes paid, or they can start to raise the age at which people receive those benefits or reduce and diminish the benefits. And, the, and, the, and this is the thing that was so awesome about what the presenter at PragerU did. It's a simple matter of demographics and math. It's that simple. End of it. It's demographics and math. Once you get past all the emotion, or once you get past all the, well, I contributed, I did this, I did that. Right now, Social Security, according to him, and he was part of, he's a, a member of the Manhattan Institute. And according to him, uh, benef beneficiaries are receiving three to four times what they paid into it. I don't know if that's true. That's his claim. And anyone can tell you that that's not sustainable. Uh, it just, it, you know, that's it. That's the, that's the end of it. Because Greece failed because of too much debt. And Kent, being a banker, can certainly talk to this at greater length and with greater intellect than I could ever hope to. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and so the, uh, so the well, certainly anyone else could. Let me put it that way. But Greece got to that point where they just were simply not sustainable. What did you see in the streets? People protesting, we want our free stuff. We want our free stuff. You don't understand. There's no more money. We don't care. We still want it. And so the EU bailed them out with some loans. I don't remember. I don't know what the size of the Greece economy is compared to the United States. I don't know what that ratio is. But I certainly do know that there is nobody that's going to bail us out if we go pop. And nobody within the Greece, within the uh, Grecian <coughs> government woke up in the morning and thought to themselves, you know what we want to do today? You know what we want to do this year? We want to fail economically. We want to fail from a monetary standpoint. We want to create a train wreck that will put our national sovereignty and economy in jeopardy. No one woke up thinking that. They just didn't take the action necessary to prevent it. So you've got this, you know, when you look at nations and states, even municipalities, oh, right here in McHenry, people throwing fits about the, the bus service being de essentially defunded. And, but you've got to look at that and go, okay, well, here's this giant beast eating all of this money. We just can't keep feeding it. And I'm not saying that the bus service is a giant beast, but just as, as it grows. Uh, you got to decide what you're going to feed it, if you can keep feeding it. You know, where, where do you draw a line? Does it matter? Is it, is it on a personal issue, like the, the senior thing? It surprised me that people threw a fit over, what was it, 10 bucks? On no, the, $7.86. Yeah. So it was, on their... Yearly taxes. On, on annual taxes. 
Seven dollars. And they provided twelve thousand, so, almost thirteen thousand rides in two months. Yeah. So. So not even ten bucks. No. Annually. Not even eight bucks annually. I I did the math. It's like less than two cents a day. Ridiculous. But is this the Grover Norquist? Any tax is a bad tax, even if it's ten bucks on a twenty thousand dollar tax bill. It's still a tax increase. How about let's go in a different direction and say that it's something to do with senior citizens? Well, I agree. And then you have the opposite people problem. People that can't get door to door to to catch the pace bus two blocks away. We, but you have the reverse of that too. You have you know Huntley with Sun City uh, uh, senior citizen population and not as willing to fund school districts because well, my kids are grown up and gone. Those, well, there's a whole section of that that enclave that is 50, 50, 55 plus, right? Fifty years. Okay, they're youngsters. They're even younger than me, and I'm a youngster. Right. No, I hear you though. But 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 we do have classism in that. That everybody's got their perspective, the benefits that a young family wants with a park district for their kids and good schools is different than the needs of a, a senior community that wants a senior center and bus rides to be able to get shopping because they may not be able to drive anymore. Everybody's got their they may narrow not be able interest. To walk to the corner to catch the pace bus. Right. How about we, we look at the fact that at any time you take a need, like transportation for folks that don't have it, um, we should never give it to the government, take care of it on the private side somehow, because pace <coughs> buses cost per ride a mile about 15 times what senior care volunteer network charges. They do 12,000, 15,000 rides a month. And they're doing it with volunteers, doing it with uh, with grants that they apply for and get. There are no taxes that feed senior care, period. Why are we letting... Uh, how many times have you seen somebody on a pace bus? And why do we use 30 passenger pace buses for a one or two passenger demand? And, you know, it's, any, any idiot could run this better than the way it's being run, simply because it's being run by the government, they're not incented to do things better. Uh, I'm back there, let's control the spending. You know, it's, it's a necessary thing, providing transportation for folks who don't have access to it. But we're doing it wrong, and we've been doing it wrong for a long time. I haven't seen anybody on a pace bus in Crystal Lake in my last 15, 20 seconds. And if not a single body. But they still have to have the coverage. They still have to time the bus to. Who says they have to do one? Well, they don't have right? to. But that's been the the modus operandi for thirty. Give them a phone number to problem. senior care. They can arrange a ride and get to where they want to go, and it doesn't cost them a dime. And it's door to door, and it's fine. It works well. We have private agencies that do this very well. And we're not supporting them. Instead, we pound government money into government effort, which is a pretty bad place to put your money. Yeah, and then we have the government offering benefits packages to people that private corporations gave up on a long time ago. I worked for a large corporation. 1999, they took my pension away from me. They gave me a 401k plan. They said, all right, we'll increase your match on the 401k. Every dollar you put in up to 6% will match it with a dollar. Then three years ago, they says, oh, we're going to cut that back to 2% to be competitive. But 
the people that are working for the state are in theory serving the taxpayer, they shouldn't get a better retirement package, they shouldn't get better health benefits, they shouldn't be able to retire at 55 or 60 because they got 30 years in if the rest of the community doesn't have that anymore. The, wor the world's changed, but our governments haven't seemed to reel that in. I know the state hiring and compensation packages are a separate issue than Social Security and the big unfunded there, but that, that, that does contribute to my taxes personally. I, I just don't like it to see someone retiring at 55 <coughs> on the state dime that I'm funding through high state taxes when I've seen all my benefits at a corporate level ripped away from me. Okay. Now, Kent is over here looking very constipated. Uh, <laughs> and he's sitting next to Herman. Go, go so maybe far. we no, should no. let Herman go first. No, I, it just, it's an interesting conversation. It, what, what's the old saying, right? Um, I can't tell you what the recipe for success is, but I can tell you the recipe for failure. Let's try to please everyone. And a government can't do that. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the issue... But they purport to be in that business. I, I understand that, but uh, it, it rolls back to education. We don't, you know, and, and here's, here's what I'll say is we don't educate people enough or people aren't willing to educate themselves enough on what's going on and topics of this nature, number one. Uh, number two, um, we, when it comes to elections and we don't, again, educate ourselves enough on the people going in, uh, but instead we've been, uh, we, we follow the masses and now we, we vote for a party, not for a person or a platform. And there were a lot of people screaming at the, using the state of Illinois, for example, uh, to get the ex-governor out of uh, here and this new one. But I don't see them shouting joyous things from the rafter tops with what the new regime has has done and put into place. Well, uh, you're very very quiet. Exactly what you would expect from the very new very quiet, and they've disappeared. Right. right. Uh, but, and I've heard several of them complain, <laughs> and I, you just kind of giggle and go, well... What, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah I love it. it. Right. This is exactly, he's doing exactly what he said. I.e. our doubled gas right. tax coming up here, uh, what, July 1st? July 1st. Yeah. July 1st. Yeah, but the difference in this tax is that this is a locked tax. What I mean by that is that it, it is locked and cannot be used for anything else, unlike the first tax <laughs> that came in. So when they first put the, uh, the, the, the initial 19 cents on was to go into roads, bridges, and redo infrastructure. Uh, almost 90% of that money was taken out of that and dispersed into the general fund. Mm -hmm. This right. time around, in order to put this tax through, the legislation actually said, look, you can't use it for anything else other than infrastructure, roads, bridges. That's what they said about just, pensions. You mean it's just going to be just, right. like, just like the lottery. They're going to just use it for schools, and look what happened to that money. So this is the difference. What, what you're talking about is correct. This is a difference, but there's legislation that can say that this money is earmarked, and it can only be spent. And so this goes under the office of the budget of the governor's office, and if they right. don't comply to it, you know. Then what? Then what? Right. I don't know. You can go study the law if you want. There, there's penalties for what they do, and, they, and they're bound by it. Cool. So. Is there? Let it me. Who's the oversight? You guys can go look it up. I'm not going to go. No, we, we don't. I just, no, want we, you, I just want to let you know that that, 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 that there's a difference here. That's all. None of us believe the long-term 
strength of the legislation that says they have to spend this tax this away because they will find a way to spend this tax. So the federal court the system, the, the federal court system, or I choose it doesn't even have to be federal, the state court system, they will actually go after them and say that no, you can't, and they'll put an injunction against it if they try to do so. There are many stop gaps that, that will halt legislation from from going off wildly. This is what we we call the, the balance or separation of powers. And so the legislative branch, as with the executive, is also under the influence of the judicial. And so is the judicial under the influence of the executive and legislative branches. This is a, it's a basic form of our system of government. So when they talk about the fact that they're going to earmark, and they try to do it when it's not earmarked, then a court will step in and put an injunction against it and say, you cannot spend that money that way. And that's the end of it. But... And, 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 but keep in mind, look at how big the debt, the deficit is. So even this little drip, and that's where we get upset because we're like, wow, the roads aren't getting any better. Well, the amount that they've earmarked for it, right, is, is uh, you know, you get to patch a pothole. And, and that's... That's not necessarily true. I, I understand. What, but, but what I'm <laughs> saying because is... Because right now, right now in Illinois, I know two road contractors were huge companies, and they both left Illinois, and they went to Texas... Because they can't make money in Illinois because of the of the bidding that goes on for these jobs. Sure. In other words, the cost is so low that they can't hire people because of the hiring and, and all that that the union's controlling in this area. So it's no, competitive. The government has to be competitive. But they also have this thing called the Davis-Bacon Act where they have to pay prevailing wage. Yeah. Prevailing wage is determined by the unions. Prevailing wage is the reason... The whole issue exists. Well, to what you're right. But, but cost. Oh. But, you, know, you pay yeah, the pothole for fourteen thousand dollars. You know, and uh, that's true. Yeah, it's a problem. Ronald Reagan had a choice to take out. He was so he had so much political power that he was going to attack Davis Bacon and sell it once and for all. But he decided to go a different direction, and that was health care. He thought that was more important, so he took all his political clout and went into that, and he did nothing with Davis Bacon. And everybody in the whole industry, in construction industry, all grabbed their hair and said, Ah, no! We would rather be sick than allow Davis Bacon to keep going. But that's the end of it. And also, I have one more thing I want to go on record, that a panda ant is not an ant. It's actually a wingless wasp. So that's all I got to say. That's true. But it's called <laughs> That is very true. You are exactly what you've done your research there. No, he just knew it. That's it. Well, he had to learn it at some point. It's intuitive. I was born with the knowledge. So no, okay. I just want to go on record. I just want to go on record that I've come to expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, Daniel. But well, he's already very, told us he hasn't got a job. So very like, much <laughs> with the, with the bus issue is, uh, and I think you said it right, is is that uh, the the world has changed. The world's economy has changed. The way we do business, the infrastructure has changed. Governments haven't, right? Uh, to your point, why do we need a big bus? Why can't we use a minivan? Why can't we use an electric car? Why can't we bus? just call Uber? I can answer, right? I can answer now, that question. Why now, do they do that? Now, the other, the other thing is, I don't know, uh, you know, <laughs> Pete, people your age, I don't know where people are going, but you can have pretty much anything dropped at your door. 
People my age can have, because <laughs> I'm so damn old, yeah. I can't hobble my ass to Walmart. That's right. right? You know, but, uh, I've seen you try to get in out of that Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty. Yeah. It's not pretty, which is why I don't even drive it. Yeah, but, uh, but, but I mean, and that's it. So, And you see that in the world of banking. The, the whole landscape has changed. Management styles, the way they run their business, haven't. People haven't adjusted to the way that a lot of people, a lot of, you know, uh, you, you take a look at, at your industry, uh, religion and, and church and, and heck, uh, you know, growing up it was, you know, you, you got your exercise, kneeling and bobbing and praying and this and that and doing this with your, your arm and uh, now there's rock bands and, you know, praise and worship. So everything's changing um, and we have to accept that and work we differently. Do. Right, but uh, government doesn't necessarily. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We'll just stay right in the lane. Okay. But, but which is broke? It is broke. Not to them. Not through their. Not through their of lens. Of course not. Right? So, so you look at the you know whether it's you know the state and local governments and their pension plans, retirement plans, and all that, and you look at private industry. A lot of private industry said, okay. People have been working here 20 years, 30 years, you're 50 years old, you're 10, 15 years away from retirement. It's not fair to change the plan to you. You're well into your life plan. We can't life plan. We can't rip the rug out from underneath you. But like with me, they had a rule of 50. I scored 48. I was 39 with nine years of service instead of 40 with 10 years of service. So I ended up in the new plan, which was no more pension mm -hmm. for you. But one of the local, I don't know if it was the Crystal Lake School Board or one of the local governmental agencies around here tried to propose something like that. Leave the older teachers in the old plan and start a new plan for the younger people and gear it more toward a you save, we match type environment where there's not a long-term commitment. You're, you're accruing your benefits as you go. And they said, no, the union said, it's got to be like it used to be. It's got to be the same for everybody. So how, how do you break that mentality short of breaking the union? You have to break the union. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, you have yeah. no other choice. Right. Right. That's, the, that's the problem. So he's talking about evolution in government, and one of the holdbacks is this Davis-Bacon Act, which was enacted in the, during the Depression. Why is it carried through? Because it's made a lot of people a lot of money. Yep. It has some benefits to it. There's no doubt about it. Societal benefits, not just to the union. You, it, uh, it guarantees you that you're going to have a skilled labor class because the money is so high. Right. But, you know, what regulates that? Yes, sir. Well, thank you. I would just, I would just like to tell, to tell an anecdotal story that happened locally in Woodstock that I witnessed when I was a young man growing up. And um, you, you all may already know what it is. There used to be a big factory by the tracks in Woodstock. It was die-cast, right? Right. I can't remember the... It was, um, I don't remember who bought them, and it doesn't really matter, but the point was, it was uh, there was a die-cast company, and uh, I think Allied Signal bought them out, and what wound up happening is that the union went on strike, and they did this over the course of time, and the union, finally what happened was is that the union went on strike, they said, look, if you don't go back to work, we're going to close the doors, we're going to leave, and that's going to be the end of it, that's just, the, those are the cliff notes, and the union said, hey, that's great, we understand, they went on strike. And they closed the doors, and they left, and they shut the whole thing down, and they shuttered it, and they chained the doors, and it was all over. The lights were out, the operations were done. And I remember very distinctly as a young, as a young, uh, young lad watching 
the union picketing out in front of of this diecast operation, and there was no one there to picket. The operations were closed, and yet they were out there picketing. The point, the point being, yes, you must break the union. Why? Because you must come to the realization that life has just changed, and you need to change with it. Otherwise, per, again, the PragerU video, the demographics and the numbers will bring you to your knees, whether you want to go there or not. As someone who has been through a corporate bankruptcy from the C-suite, there comes a moment in your life when you recognize and you know oxygen has just left the room, and that's called positive cash flow, (laughs) and it is all over. I remember the date, I remember the day, I remember the time when it is my worst fears came to be realized, and that, yes, it just stopped and the clock stopped, and nobody wanted it to. Everybody wanted what they wanted. Everybody wanted to feel what they wanted to feel with their emotions and their intellect, but when you are negative cash flow, and you do that for so long, and no one's willing to buy and purchase your debt because they don't believe that you are good for it, the clock will stop, and that will be it, and no one's opinion about anything whether you're union or right to work, whether you're a liberal, a Marxist, a conservative, a constitutionalist, a libertarian, none of that will matter. That's the reality. And the political class and nobody, whether it at a local, a state, or a federal level, wants to deal with that. Why? To whoever it is that said it earlier, and they were quite right. Government wants to say they can make everybody happy, and you can't make everybody happy. Wasn't there an Everly Brothers song about that? You can't make everyone happy all the time. And and that's the reality. So what has to happen? Someone's going to have to, someone's going to have to... Uh, retire at a later age than they anticipated. Someone's not not going to get to travel for 15, 20 years, going to see the great uh, national parks of this great country we live in. They're not going to have that opportunity. Someone on the bottom end who are working, yeah, you might have to live in a smaller house because your taxes are going to be so high that this this thing, that this life that you had for yourself where you're going to have a couple of extra cars and one was, you know, maybe one was a Miata and the other one was a Wrangler and life was just going to be great. Well, maybe you're not going to get that life that you pictured because if you don't dig your way out of this thing, we're going to hit an insolvent position and this whole thing is going to implode. And if the United States implodes economically, can you hear the crickets? Who's going to collect the check? Boom. Right. Yeah. right? We cannot look to government, elected government, for guidance on how to do this because we don't incent them to do that. Government folks that we elect are incented only to get reelected. That's correct. Period. Mm-hmm. So I disagree with that categorically. Go. I'm listening, Daniel. I disagree with that. I know, I know many people that get involved in the pain and the freaking ass and the hours that it takes on top of your job and your family. They get into politics to make a difference. They don't get in there just to get fucking elected. To get That's elected. how they get into there. They, they go in there to do a job, and they stay in there, and they do that job. And, and the only time I've ever really heard about guys that bitched about leaving it was when they got against other people that they could not do their job. 
Right. And so whether that be in the industry or even within politics itself, uh, one, one of the ideas of term limits was based on this idea that people don't make a job out of politics. Show me some term limits. Well, I would say that the President of the United States has term limits. So answer me this question. Yes, sir. There's, there's people that apply leverage to politicians. I'll throw a name out there. Grover Norquist. Leverage is Grover. all about politics. Okay. So, you know, so, politics. All right, all right, so answer me this. Yes, sir. When... Obama was in office, you couldn't go two days of watching the news without hearing Grover Norquist saying something about taxes, about deficits, and everything else. Yet, I have yet to see or hear his name mentioned in the last two years since our current president was inaugurated. What's your point? Well, well, the point being, we've had a tax cut that has increased our national our annual deficit to a trillion dollars this year from 400 billion two years ago. We've got the hidden tax of the tariffs that are on right now from the trade tariff. And how come we don't have that voice of fiscal conservancy trying to rein in what we're currently doing? Well, perhaps because the people are so interested in the short view Nobody really looks at the long view and how these effects that, are, that go in, such as the things that we've discussed about unions being a root problem, that have to be dealt with. The short view will say that, no, the system still continues and it works. But it doesn't because, as John has pointed out, it continues to compound itself. If you don't deal with it and let it go, it'll continue to compound itself. But yet we must have the protection uh, uh, or we might... We must have monuments uh, that are staffed by federal or state employees. We must have these, the, all these benefits that, that, the, uh, that the politicians put together to get votes for. All of this stuff costs money, right? And let's the short, what's the short view? What's the short view of this? Things Nothing are going changes. well for us. It's what's the long view? The long view is we're, 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 the numbers don't lie. Only people lie. It's, this is a cascading problem. It has to be dealt with. So in the idea about your tariffs... Okay, there, it may have some short economic aspects, but the long view, it's going to be pretty freaking good if we can get China to agree to stop ripping off our tech and our companies. What was the other one you mentioned? Uh, you talked about. Well, we gave. The, uh, you talked very, about the tax cuts. A very large the tax, tax cuts. Tax cuts is an extremely important thing for to get away from this idea of itemization. And so there was a huge problem that was going on about how much money the government actually got. One of the biggest things in, in this country is small businesses. If you don't fund small businesses, you got huge problems. What was going on during the Obama administration was a knee-jerk short-term reaction that tightened up the, the money lending for, short, for small businesses. And we suffered a huge economic problem. You're not going to see it right away. It's going to take a couple of years. But man, when it comes, you'll be like, oh, what the hell? People will complain. Then suddenly someone will come in with a new short view. And this is the cycle that we have to break. And, and, and he, he mentioned the idea about education, and that's what you got to do. Did Norquist talk about long views when you, when you listened to him? Was, is that what he said? Or did he just talk about the immediacy of the problem? Norquist. His immediate thing was no taxes. There is no mm -hmm. such thing as a immediate. good tax. All taxes. So it's a very Norquist immediate and a very immediate. short term and a very narrow vision. And, and you have to have taxes. If you don't have taxes, you don't have government, you've got anarchy, you don't have any rule of law, you got huge problems. But there has to be a balance in this stuff. And our system is set up to allow for this balance, but the people aren't doing it. 
But you'll see that this pendulum swings. You want to pay, pay a little attention to history. You'll see that that uh, uh, during two years ago when Trump was was running for office before he got elected, you go back into uh, uh, the right at the turn of the century, the same problems that that was going on within our country, they were experiencing the same thing. And this is McKinley. Check it out. It's a very fascinating situation. It's almost a mirror image. It's 100 years ago. But you can take a look at to see what the problems that they had then and what we're dealing with now. So that's, that's kind of what you got to look at. So that's, I would say that's the answer about your Norquist. Sorry to be so long-winded. I would say algorithms. Yeah, because you, how, how many hours a, a, a day do you, do you watch CNN news? I listen to a number of different news channels and actively half hour a day, inactive in the background, probably two, three hours a day. CNN? No, a mix. Well, I'm, I'm just asking specifically C- CNN. CNN, maybe half hour a day. Okay, and how about Fox? Maybe half hour to an hour a day. Okay, so a little, a little bit more. of NPR, a little bit of MSNBC. So, I listen to a number of different sources. I read a number of different sources to see some different angles on the world. And, and you're you're one of the few. I mean, everything's driven by algorithms now. People go to their smartphone to get their information and education. They go there to get their confirmation bias. Correct. And sure. it's all what right. you're really, really what you're cutting. Very right. important point. Right. I right. think that's what you're right. leading to. Right. The confirmation right. bias. It's a right. very important thing right there. Right. I get so I get push. two feeds on Facebook. I, I have a number of friends connected to friends of friends through them, and there's basically two paths. Things come down, which is. <laughs> Hard left and hard right. There's nothing coming down the middle. It's, it's you know, Facebook. Let's well, just, well, we're well, going to well, stop the, the right, conversation but it, there. But, it, but it, it's, it's like it's you Facebook. said, it's the confirmation bias. Right, but, but I think the thing that we need to draw, the thing we need to drag this back to is something that was said in the PragerU video and something that Dan mentioned earlier, and I think something that we all agree to at some level, is that this is not a left, right, or center issue. Correct. This is not that. This this is, again, it comes back and I would just, you know, I'm going to play the border collie. I'm going to pull us back to center. And that is this is all about demographics and all about money. It's all about the dollars. And it's either affordable and sustainable or it's not affordable and sustainable. And it doesn't matter if you're a leftist, a constitutionalist, one way or the other. Ultimately, this is going to be our reality and something that they mentioned in the video, and I know that not everyone here has had the, the benefit of seeing this. I would encourage you to go check it out. One of the things that he did mention, that in an ideal world, you would have hundreds of thousands of people at the Washington Mall and outside of the Capitol building with, if you will, flaming torches. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that in a figurative way. And, and politicians being hung in effigy, okay? Reduce and stop the spending before you put us in a hole so deep that our great-grandkids will never get out of it. But what happens? Do you hear the crickets? Nobody cares. Nobody's interested. Or they're interested about their little window as opposed to this whole thing of, how is this thing really going to end? How is this thing really genuinely going to end? Not in my lifetime, but in my kids' lifetime. Are they going to be the ones that see the split of the union? Are they going to be the ones that see the demise of the dollar, where the dollar is no longer the world currency's choice? like the English pound was at one point in time, and boom, then it was the U.S. US dollar, and we've been so happy for so long, we think to ourselves, has anyone ever heard that phrasing, too big to fail? 
There's nothing in this world that's too big to fail. AOC. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think this would have been a complete right. show without those initials, Dan. Again, I thank you for not letting us but, down. But again, to go back there, you asked the question, who's concerned about it? And people around this microphone are concerned about it. But if you were to ask, I would say a majority of Americans aren't. It's like credit card debt. They hey, as, long, as long as I make my payment, we're okay. I got plenty I, of checks left. There's yeah, plenty of money. I don't. I don't. I don't care if I'm fifty thousand dollars in debt in credit card debt. If I can make my payments every month and I still have a little room on that card, life is good. And that's the way they look at uh, at, at our deficit as as a nation. Hey, you think that's true, huh? I, I, I will almost guarantee it. Okay, Kent, you know this probably better than again. Probably well, except Dan because he knows. That a panda ant is actually a right. homeless wasp. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, who the heck knows that without Google? I mean, come on. So you probably know this. The 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 average millennial yep. have saved how much for retirement? The average Gen Xer, i.e., moi. That's as much French as I know, Dan. So we'll leave it at that. How much have we saved for retirement? Um, you probably have a pretty good sense of this. I think I know, but I want to defer to you. Ken. Not a lot. <laughs> about a, about one hundred sixty thousand. Uh, Gen Xer, maybe. Uh, maybe about a hundred and a quarter. Okay. Is, is Gen okay. Xers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And millennials, almost none. No. I, I read something the other day that was fascinating, but not surprising, and that is that millennials, in many cases, and Gen Zers, whatever, that millenni- millennials are not saving for retirement because they believe that climate change will kill them before they get there. <laughs> that's, I mean, really, I mean, that's, I know, I, I, that, that actually registers. That actually registers. But to Kent's point, and he's absolutely correct, if you, if we were to look at the, the t- average American, whatever that means, the average American, and how they have regarded their own finances and their own financial house and how they keep it in order or allow it to devolve into disorder, why would we think that they care regard the national debt or think about it any differently than their own personal? It's, it's an incongruity. They can't possibly think about that well, differently than their own. Well, first off, the majority voter doesn't give a shit about what's going on in the nation. They just care about what's going on in front of them. This is why we have a representative government. The people that give a shit and do actually affect government do care about fiscal responsibility. But there are other issues that came up that were more important than fiscal responsibility. And that's what we're going through right now. So, okay, so let's pick up I, and drive that's down. That's what they I think. Was, I'm not I, would di- I would disagree with that. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, because if you ask, if you walk up and down this street and you said they're, they're concerned about local issues and you said, hey, who sits on your school board? They have no idea. They have no idea. No so they're, they're not concerned about They are concerned what? about their local issues. But but they don't know anything about them. That's correct. Because that's where if you want to make a change, I didn't say they were educated right. about it. I said they were concerned. Okay, I'll go with that then. Because I talk to people about it, they're like, "Well, what's what's really the thing?" Well, I want to make sure I get my job, my kids are fed, the streets are clean, the crime's low. Who's your legislator? I have no freaking idea. Right. So what happens? So does it? So so is the question? Is it the issue that we have to allow this federal debt, national debt issue? Become so overwhelming that it be it trumps, and I don't know, no pun intended, that it supersedes every other issue where it is. Now you can no longer function. Now you can no longer function you can at the local level. You, can you can't get function. To that level. The government can default on bonds, and it can happen. And the majority of the bondholders are it U.S. Never citizens. Never will. Wade Biro. 
They never will. It they'll never always could. Throw, they'll always throw that in there. Yeah. I'm sorry, say again? Wade V. Rowe. The, sure. Anytime the, the deck comes up, we'll throw that in there. So red herring, go chase a squirrel? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The fiscal responsibility is the thing, and then Illinois right. is going to be going through it right now. The states that have come up close to failing, you've seen the quick turnarounds that they do. This debt is, is a monster, but there's problems with causing this debt to be a monster, and that's what has to be dealt with. And there's been a lot of legislation passed to close avenues of fiscal responsibility, but they always find a way around it. But, but I'm really glad you just said that because there mm-hmm. are there, that the, the idea behind the Tenth Amendment is that there's to be competition among the states mm-hmm. and that if you don't like the way your state is, go to where a better state is, and then mm-hmm. that uh, swing of market forces and competitions will then drive the state that is experiencing exodus, i.e. Illinois, <laughs> and to change to change their policies to attract people, venture capital, right. all that kind of thing. But Illinois, in their wisdom, have floated the idea, at least it's out there. Now, of course, uh, Snopes says, or Snoops, or whatever, they say, well, this is not a real thing, therefore it must be canon. But no, they say it's not real. But I believe and have no doubt in my mind that the state legislatures here in the People's Republic of Illinois, the land of Lincoln, hard swallow, um, are thinking about imposing an exit tax. Yep. Okay, and that is that if you in fact do sell your home here in Illinois and you move to another state, that they will tax you on that. So instead of waking up in the morning, i.e., I don't know, maybe like the governmental folk in Greece X number of years ago, instead of waking up saying, oh, Houston, we have a problem, we need to maybe change the way we're doing things because this ain't working so well, they're going to say, you know something, this is actually working quite well, we're going to get our last wicks in on you as you go out the door, they will accelerate the exodus, they'll get 2% of your home value instead of the long-term tax base that they would have of having a thriving, prosperous, profitable, secure populace. This is the short-term idiocy that the liberals, left-wing, whatever you want to call them, this is where they're at. Some people, the point being, Dan, some people I really think are incorrigible really genuinely incorrigible, that they don't have the ability to look and say, you know, this isn't going to end very well, but that's okay. We're just going to keep going. Not only are we going to keep going, but it's it's good for us, too. And um, I don't see them doing anything uh, uh, as leadership. Hmm. If we're going to have a leadership that we vote for, why should the leadership, why should that leadership be above what the people pay. Why shouldn't they pay for their pay into their uh, social security like like normal people do? Okay? They should not be enacting legislation to tax us if they are not going to follow that same law. And many of them don't. They have all these perks, they have all these all these golden parachutes and all these other things. I mean, there was there was a law. I don't know if the law is if, I, if I'm not correct, but I you, believe the I heard the argument against us, didn't you? I believe the law was and still is. May, may, may I haven't checked it lately, but that when a legislator is is um, uh, voted into office and he gets sworn in on that very first day, he can take all of his year's pay, uh, payment. For that year, 
He can take his payment for that, his 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 check, whatever, for the entire year, whatever. Well, yeah, whatever. But the, 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 the argument but against the, the argument against what you're saying, which I find hilarious, was just breached by I can't remember what the name of the girl that said it. But uh, she says that uh, well, the reason why we have to give them all these perks and pay them all this money is so they it will it will AOC. stop them from from taking graft. Yeah, yeah. right. That, that, well, that was AOC. Oh, AOC yeah. did that, and that was the that was the contention. So that's not a. So in other words, it's just, just crazy. More so we don't take. Graft. It's just crazy. It's yeah. a crazy. And, 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 it's a crazy we, notion. And we've seen the the uh, effects of that locally, uh, not only with our governors late uh, of late and our uh, the people in Chicago, Burke and. Uh, uh, Mendoza and a few other people there. Well, they're going down. So they're, the feds yeah. are going to take them yeah, down. Yeah, but well, they may take them down. But how yeah. long has it been that he's been there? How much graft has he taken since that time? Well, you can only get him. We for, don't. You can only get him for what he's done. Well, that's my point. Well, you got him. We got to get well, caught. He's got to get caught. Somebody's got to blow the whistle catch him first. And to the point that John and Kent and actually you made a minute ago, people in these roles are not looking beyond the end of their nose. No, they just don't. And the what make it what puts me in mind of is my my grandfather my mom's dad and and even my my dad's mom both said something very similar when i remember when microwaves microwave ovens first came out yeah man radar range they they both said well that's the end of the united states <laughs> and and their point was now everybody's going to want everything right away you're not going to think past the end of your nose Giving people something that ends in results that are instantaneous to them, you know, when you had to actually turn the dial on the microwave and wait five minutes for your TV dinner, which used to take 25 to 30 minutes in the oven, and by gosh, that was, you know, then you didn't even have the prep time. You just took that little box out and then poked a hole in the foil and threw it in the oven. That saved all kinds of time. That's if you wanted to eat it hot. That's true. Come on. If you don't mind a beef popsicle, then... But at any rate, back to that is people have gotten to the point where they want results now. They don't think past the yeah, end. I, I, don't th- I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a timeline issue. I think, I'm going to push back on that very so gently because that's my nature. I don't think it's a timeline <laughs> issue. I think, I, think that it, I think that what it comes back to is the corruptible nature of the human, of the human species. That is, we want what we want. We want it the way we want it. And to a point, we want it now if we can get it now. But the issue is, is that we don't want to, we don't, we don't want it the way we don't want it. We want it our way because it's all about us. And when we sit on the throne of our lives, that's what you find. That's what you wind up with. That's what happens. And when you when you take a when you take a look at, uh, would would young people, if, if people really understood the nature and the problem and the gravity of the national debt, would young people pay more in taxes? Yes. Would older people take higher uh, retirement ages and fewer benefits? Yes. If those things were explained to them, and and if they believed that their sacrifice would be for something, this is the same nation, I believe, with the same heart that stormed the beaches at Normandy. They believed it meant something. They believed something would come of it. And some part of me wants to believe that. Kent's going to tell me why I'm wrong, and I, I 
Go ahead. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I understand what you're see? saying, and I, and I love you for saying I'll it. I'll sacrifice but, but Peter for and I will tell you, uh, my, my daughter graduated from college this year. Yes, his daughter graduated from college. Thank you. That's it. That's it for me. <laughs> we have confirmation. Yeah. Well, as did but, my son. Don't but but uh, back when, 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 when we were storming the beaches of Normandy, it was about... The, it was about honoring your nation. Yes. Every graduation speech that was held this year at any major institute was about social justice. Sure. Dang straight. Yeah. And I can drop the was, mic. Yeah. There you go. That was a <laughs> big, a, a big clip. But right that, there. that's a whole different show for a different. It day, is a whole different show. For so a different day. It, it turned my stomach, and it, it and it was about now you go out and and the seventy fifth anniversary of Normandy. Yeah. yeah, go out yeah. and and praise God for the homeless. And the last they, person who spoke at my son's graduation, he walked out across the stage Father's Day this Sunday to collect his master's. And it was great that he got to do that. My father-in-law, it meant a great deal of him to see one of his grandsons collect a master's from the same school that he went to and collected his master's from. But the very last speaker, the woman, said, Now, and she may be a very nice lady, but what she said, maybe, I don't know her personally, but what she said was, now all of you who are out there collecting your degrees of higher education, because there was not a person less than a master's there. It was okay. master's, doctorates, at all. All of them postgraduate degrees. Now go and take what you have learned and commit, make, a, make a commitment right here, right now, with me and with the school to put everything you've learned toward social justice. And both my wife and I at the same time said, uh, nope, no, or don't. We actually said, or don't. And we said it a little too loudly. Sure. And the people in front heard, people behind us heard, people over here heard. Some people looked at us like, oh, my God, and a couple of people started laughing, and they laughed a little too loudly. And the place that this was in was not so big that that went unnoticed. So instantly, my wife and I started doing, oh, I wonder who said that. <laughs> but, you know, or don't. It was just, and then if you looked at the dissertation titles of the for all of the doctor graduates, almost with, with the exception of the engineering doctors and the uh, business school doctors, and, and the business school is the vision, that's the one that my son collected his master's from, everything else, education, uh, healing arts, the, or, you know, uh, medical, uh, or um, fine arts, theater, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on down the line, every single title had to do with social justice classes, uh, uh, women, men, uh, you know, and men being more, it was like almost an attack on men if you start reading through these and, and lauding and praising uh, the, just the titles, how, how um, uh, a, uh, dis, the, the results of discriminatory actions against single Asian mothers. And, and do you got a problem with this? What I have a I problem do. with. Okay. What I have a problem with is that absolutely none of it pertained to the, the actual reality of life insofar as being a nation of laws. It was all focused on this social justice, i.e. mob rule, 
which is what that translates for me in my mind to almost instantaneously. We saw that, that with that, that we saw that with that baker who they were exactly. accused of racism and what have yeah. you, and they were awarded forty-four million dollars in payouts yeah. because they because it so, was wrong. You know, we see a good school; it's done well by my son. Uh, he will go out into the world of accounting, and uh, his master's is in uh, audit and advisory services, and so he'll be going and doing. Uh, Audits for a company, but you see the problem is, is that all the, all the all all of the speeches and all the rest of it, and again we come back to all the emotions and what we want. It isn't going to make any difference when the cash flow stops. <laughs> when, none of it's going to none of it's going to make any difference. No, not a bit. And and we don't we don't need more politicians. We need more. We do need more statesmen. And to Donald Trump's uh, detriment, he has added two trillion to the debt. To the national debt in two years, we the the we are not in a position or the ability with one of the one of the best economies is in fifty years, sixty years, whatever it's been is just roaring. But yet they're not bringing enough money, and anyone will tell you that yeah. deficits are not a revenue he's problem. That's a spending problem. He's been decreasing yeah. the deficit. It would have been much higher if, if he had if he had not been elected. It would be way higher. Than that. I completely agree with that. <clears throat> Absolutely. But so the he, issue so that he, but he it gives to, you an idea how bad it yeah, really you is. Yeah, you have to chip away, and there's no doubt about it. You can't reduce it at once. If you stop spending for one year, you would erase the deficit. I mean, it's just how much money comes into the federal government. Has any, has anyone here ever done the homework on the penny plan and how much how what if you reduce one penny for every dollar of federal spending the yeah. national debt would be no, well the the deficit the, the annual deficit yeah. would be gone in approximately five years ten years It'd be whatever less than that mm-hmm. so, less than that so but you can't do that so without uh, willful political action. <laughs> Willful political action. There's retirement. That's interesting. So, well, you know what? I'm going to wrap it up right here, guys. Thank you very much. I know we've had people had to walk out a little bit through this, but thank you all very much for hanging in on episode number 78 of Civil Tension. And we'll catch you all next week. You can golf clap it out if you like. Mm-hmm.